0: Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I've got the wrong fucking script here. I did, I did like an anchorman thing, you know, when they changed the the, t- the teleprompt. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> My name's fucking Brick Bashard. Hello everyone and here we are. Another day, another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Welcome everyone. We have popped the cork on a bottle, poured ourselves a wee dram and we're ready to get the show on the road today. I'm Mitch Beshard, your co-host and I'm joined as usual by the man who some say that has, has a palate as good of, as all the whiskey nerds in the world combined. Others say he's got such a sensitive nose that he can smell a fresh bottle of whiskey being popped from a thousand feet away. I just like to call him Daz. Ho, 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 That's an introduction, isn't it? Usually it's I just like,
1: get told I've got a massive nose, and that's it. It's, <laughs> it's not good at anything. Um, but that's, that's great. This week we are going to dig into the world of whiskey pubs. Not whiskey bars, whiskey pubs. Something very, very close to our heart. And I'm sure that most of you who are listening have in your life at some point, you know, been into that kind of pub where you've just got a beautiful wall of bottled whiskey behind it. Probably a nice few cask ale pumps in the front. Big friendly person stood behind that bar, you know, welcoming you in and trying to help you navigate this wonderful world of whiskey. And you know, we, in episode four, we did look at whiskey bars, didn't we? We actually kind of covered off things like the Black Rock as a great example, your modern whiskey pub slash bar. But today we're going to go down those more traditional routes and have a wee dig about and maybe speak to a couple of people from some of these places as well. So, yeah, man, it's all about the hospitality. It's all about what's behind the bar, not necessarily about how shiny the sign is outside and what type of tunes are playing on the and the speaker system and things like that or the
0: jukebox inside, you know, Mitch? Indeed, mate, indeed. And, you know, uh, going back to what you're saying, we did talk about this on, on, in episode four and I was having a little listen to that today with our good friend Baz Wilson and it's pretty funny stuff that's on there. So if you haven't checked out that episode yet, go back, have a listen to it. Funniest part is the sponsor, Fanny McSporin, oh, that sponsored cool. that show for us. Absolutely that was,
1: uh, awesome. I would to just thank them again for their sponsorship. That was wonderful, <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, like on with the show today. So today we've got Paul McDonough from the famous or I should say the world famous Bon Accord in Glasgow. He's going to give us an inside scoop on what it's like to run one of these bars. Uh, He's been doing it for 30 plus years. It is is an unbelievable bar. So he's going to give us the inside track, if you like, on what it is to, to own the Bon Accord. Um, now, I've got to apologize, Daz, because uh, anyone who listens to this show quite a bit will realize that we are late in putting this episode out. It is now Tuesday morning, and we normally put out on uh, every show out on a, a Sunday morning. So I'm going to explain to everyone listening why we're a little bit late. Some of you may have watched a little rugby match on Saturday, where Scotland absolutely scalped England. I'm, I'm going to blame the the lateness or the tardiness of this show down to uh, excessive national loyalty and excessive loyalty to the Scottish national drink. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I think what you did was um, very brave. I thought you you put in a great performance on Saturday. You should be really proud of yourself. And yeah, yeah. yeah you, you you needed a couple of days off, mate. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I apologise. So basically, what I'm saying is, I watched the rugby, had a little bit of a hangover on Sunday, and didn't get the editing done in time. Mate, oh, so we're doing it now. Let's do it. This is it. <laughs> this is what it's all about. <laughs> um, we don't have to be on time, Mitch. We, like, we I mean, we kind of. You, well, I usually, I try and be on. You time. are. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying we. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not setting those expectations. That's all I'm saying. Right. So we so, talked about the rugby, right? yeah, yeah, which I know you watched as well, which was a, yeah. an amazing result for us. But what That's else have you been terrible. up to? What's been
1: happening? Um, I think since the last time we recorded a proper episode, Burns Night has passed. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had Andy Weir joined us. Um, and for Burns Night, I was lucky, actually. I went, I went across too for the first time. I don't know if you've been to the Malt Whiskey Society in Glasgow,
0: the one on Bath Street. Have you been down I there? I haven't yet, actually. I've just been to the yeah. one on Queen Street and, and down in Leith. So. Yeah. Mate, so cool, a really, really
1: nice day I really enjoyed it um, Went down there, uh, had a, a dinner with Glenn Goyne And Gordon Dundas um, Joined us, so we, we, we had a chat about that And said, you know, we should do the podcast About the podcast, because he of course has Whiskey Unscripted um, Over there uh, himself, looking after Glenn Goyne and Tam Do and stuff So the Burns Night was really nice um, A couple of really good whiskies actually that we tried uh, And I managed to squeeze into the pot still That night as well, and
0: see Big Frank And uh, that was very pleasant Nice, mate. Yeah. Good night out in Glasgow, which we do talk about with Paul, and we need to sort that out. Yeah. A yeah. little trip over there for, for sure. Um, well, yeah, for my burns, I went down to England, believe it or not. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Hung out with the Larkfire boys. Mm-hmm. Had a good laugh with them. And then I uh, came up the next day. Again, maybe a little bit of excessive uh, excessive Scotch loyalty there going on for the drive back up the road. Um, but yeah, mate. And then, well, Speyside as well. I hung out in Speyside after you left me. All yep. by myself, got oh. to some more crazy stuff up there. But yeah, apart from nice. that, mate, I, I haven't actually been up to that much. Much to be honest with you, um, a lot of planning for the business. It's starting mm-hmm. to get really busy now, and you know, I, I'm working to that point where summer feels like it's it's coming. It's just round the corner. So mm-hmm. just been doing a lot of uh, a lot of slave to the laptop stuff. You know,
1: nice. I will tell you what, I did do through the week. I went into see Cam at the Balmoral, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been in since the McAllen uh, bottle keep was put in there. Have you? Have you, You've you been in recently. I haven't been in for a while, actually. Man, yeah. No. so I went, I went in just uh, the other night, and it was uh, it was lovely. It was really nice. Eh? The McAllen stuff looks great. They've got the 40-year-old behind the bar. I think they're on their fifth or sixth bottle or something like that. He was saying that they're getting through it. So I'd, I'd imagine on Saturday night they might have got through a few more, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> After the rugby, there would have been a few celebratory ones. So uh, that was quite nice. So, yeah, I've actually been out and about quite a bit. I hit a few... Of our favourite haunts and things like that Which has
0: been really nice Been a bit of a social butterfly, mate Well, you know, it's got to be done, of course All right. so, since the last episode We, you know, we didn't really have any news going on It was pretty dry, but it's kind of like I think whiskey news is like buses You know, there's either nothing Or there's an absolute shitload of news going on right now Which there is So we're going to get into the news here Whiskey news of the week. I was in a pub And uh, I got
1: in there at 11 o'clock The minute it opened And the barman at the Black Cat In Edinburgh on Royal Street is a fantastic mm-hmm. pub um, Great bar. We'll probably talk about it later yep. It's a pub, not a bar um, yep. We um, go in for a toastie, And he's like, oh, I've just my bottle of Lockley's just arrived And I was like, today's the day, isn't it? It's just been launched And he was like, yep So I had a sample um, I had a taste of that, which was really, really nice um, Nice And I was quite impressed with it. Lovely spicy note, anise, cinnamons, you know, those little um, fireball chewing gum things you used to get from the ice cream van when you were little. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that you can break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super hard ones. Super hard ones, but it was like a sweet cinnamon flavor. I had that and it was really lovely. I really quite enjoyed it. So the UK's got half of the 7,000 bottles produced. The rest will go uh, to 10 other markets in Europe and North America. It's a non-chill filtered expression, natural color. The design of the bottle, I didn't realize it was around the tire tracks. I didn't know that because I looked at it and thought, oh, that's like a like these metal panels that kind of go on distilleries and stuff, these sort of meshed flooring sort of setups. Uh, but it is from tires, isn't it? That's quite interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Malcolm Rennie, who's now uh, finished up and who is now away to Rose Bank, uh, announced the other day, which is interesting. And, of course, um, Lockley's
0: now headed up by Mr. John Campbell. Indeed. It's been a weird one, right? Because, I mean, they went under the radar for so long, and then now suddenly it's like all the news is coming out about them. So, yeah, it's, a, it's a cool to see another new distillery in Scotland and, and great to see a, uh, another legal release, I suppose you can call it. Yeah, and I, and,
1: I, and I would say it was delicious also, most importantly. Good to hear, mate. Good to hear. Yes.
0: On, on to other new releases that have just come out. Uh, one that, that caught our eye was the Arbeg Committee release, Fermentation fermentation, uh, 13 year old Ardbeg that's just for uh, the committee only. So you can actually get, you can become a member of the committee just by signing up. You don't have to pay for anything to to get on there. And then you get uh, dibs on this, but I think this is all sold out now already. Uh, But this is a limited release, as I said, a 13 year old and kind of cool story. I really like this, the, the way they've gone around this because they talk about the longest fermentation in Ardbeg's history that came around through an accident So what happened was they were just going through their normal process and the boiler broke down. Uh, And as the boiler broke down, they had six washbacks filled. So I ended up sitting there for three weeks before the boiler was eventually eventually repaired. Um, So this was sitting fermenting for three weeks. Now, normally with Ardbeg, it's 72 hours. So that's quite a long fermentation process. So Bill Lumsden at the time absolutely loved this idea because he wanted to experiment with longer fermentation times, and that's where this whole expression of Ardbeg comes out. Um, kind of cool to see. What I love about this batch is this, so they finished it in first-fill bourbon and PX sherry cask, and yeah. the retail price is only fifty pounds for a thirteen-year-old Ardbeg. I mean, that's yeah, I the
1: price the price does seem very reasonable. Um, I do have your sample here. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I'd say a massive thank you to Mr. Joe Gunner for that. That's really, really kind of you to give us that. He, I gave, he gave me it on Friday, uh, which is very kind. So um, we'll get into that mate uh, probably in a couple of episodes, I hope. Yeah, uh, I like the idea about long fermentations. It did used to be more common. And um, one of the things I'm aware of is that at distilleries quite often at the weekends, uh, you know, they would run a longer fermentation, hmm. run 55 hours or 60 hours during the weekend and then at the weekend they would let it tick over uh, the sort of three-day period from sort of Friday afternoon through to Monday morning. So you get slightly longer fermentations, lower temperatures and stuff like that could manage it. So yeah, no, it's really cool. I love stuff like that. There's probably not enough of that in Scotch. You see it a lot in American whiskies and uh, world whiskeys, but Scotch uh, seems a wee bit further down the line just in terms of production, you know. The Cairn Distillery have announced their distillery manager, uh, Mary Winters, um, who well, they're ready to go, aren't they, from summer 2022. So we've not got long to wait until the stills get fired up. And it's weird, isn't it? Because we've driven past that quite a few times. You drive, you drive past it all the time.
0: time um,
1: yeah. And every time you drive past, there's a, there's a big, big difference. So she's come over from William Gratz. You must have known her.
0: Yeah, mate. I did, yeah. uh, did quite a few uh, Glynford, uh, well, no, Balvenie tours, uh, and she was the distillery manager. She used to look after uh, Balvenie and Kininve.
1: So good experience there going over to the Cairn and uh, a lot of local knowledge as well. You know, that's brilliant. And then something a little bit closer to our hearts,
0: Mitch. Yeah, a little bit of Fife news, which is kind Mm. of cool to see. So there's going to be a, well, the plans have been put in place for a Knock Hill distillery. And uh, Knock Hill is north of Dunfermline, well known for its racing track. So they do quite a, quite a lot of car races up there. Touring cars, I think, is held up there. as A lot of motorbike stuff as well, isn't there? Yeah, a lot of motorbike stuff. I actually went up there and raced a little single seater a couple of months back. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, they're talking about, not the racing track, but up by Lock, uh, sorry, up by, uh, Knock Hill, they're talking about creating a distillery up there, which is currently a farm. And um, they're, they're, this is all just planning is in stage right now. It's a family-run farm that currently produces sheep and poultry, um that's the way it was written that's weird man produces sheep and poultry it's like so basically they have sheep and chicken but it, written here it's like they're producing them which is odd <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the landowners, apparently they're keen to turn the farm building into a malt distillery, uh, maturation and uh, warehouse and bottling plant all yep. under one roof. So the plan is for them to do some gin and vodka first. And then while they're doing that, mature some whiskey to obviously get some money in from the gin and vodka. So, yeah, exciting. And that's a, a a very local one to, to where I am right now anyway. All right, Dad, so let's get back to whiskey pubs. Now we've been in a few few of these in our time, right? So, what is what's it you look for when you go into like a good whiskey pub? What, what's what's the main boxes that need ticked for you? I like
1: pubs with little nooks and crannies. Mm. You know the um, the the type of pub that you can go in and you can have you know those little tables there. They're not visible from every corner of the place, you know, because you can then sit there, you can have your own company, you can have a good time, and, and actually you're with who you're with. I always find sometimes with the more modern kind of open places, um, you don't quite get that vibe. 100%.
0: Do you know um
1: have you been to have you been to Bennett's um up yes. by the King's Theatre in Edinburgh?
0: Yeah. I haven't been in there for a long time, but yeah, I've been in there.
1: I forget the name of what they call it, but there's when you walk into the pub on the very left-hand side, it's just a Tiny little nook. Um, and it's actually at the end of the bar. Right. So you wouldn't know it was there. It's totally hidden. Um, the only people that would know it's there is the staff, basically. It's, just, it's a class little table. It's just one table in this little nook. And then the rest of the pub is it's a beautiful pub. Great whiskey bar as well. And great craft beers and stuff, or, or Cascales. Um, and, yeah, it's amazing. But it's got this little nook and it's little things like that that I absolutely love. It's the character of an old pub. Um, And that comes from a combination of things. I do think it comes from the way it's kind of set up inside, lots of wee nooks and crannies, lots of wee hidden spaces and things like that. And then basically just a really efficient place where you can go get a good drink. You don't have to wait too long. It's quite easy. Do you know what I mean? And and you don't need to be like friends with the staff or anything like that. But, you know, it's a good vibe. Sometimes it's quite nice when you get like a slightly more experienced bartender, barmaid who's like, tells you what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they're yeah. in control. They're Old, in control older of what's school. going on. There's yeah. a bit of a different way, isn't there? I quite like that. There's nothing better than being told to go and sit down. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I <laughs> quite like it. And, and you need that, mate. I do, I do. You I know, need that I in your life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just, I, I like that kind of cosiness that you're talking about as well. I mean, for me, yeah, I think as an ambassador it was always interesting right because we'd always go to these amazing bars or steakhouses mm-hmm. you know beautiful restaurants but for me just like a, a good pub with a nice mm-hmm. pub feel and a great selection of whiskeys there's always tick boxes for me with regards to that um yeah i mean a few in scotland just thinking fiddlers with john up by drum the Drocker. that's an yeah. amazing spot you know, you've met, we've talked about a few in Edinburgh when we are on the the Instagram there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, canny man's in Edinburgh. I mm-hmm. think you know Glasgow's just overwhelmed. I think with great yeah. whiskey pubs.
1: Obviously, the pot still is one that people talk about a lot, and we've got Paul on as well from from the Bon Accord, which is right up there, has won tons of awards. Yeah, um, Glasgow's good at pubs. It really is good at pubs. What about America man you you spent a lot of time in the states is there the same type of pub
0: there is it's it's more it's more of an Irish theme though you mm. know and it's that kind of it it just it never never felt legit for me when i went over there and went into to a pub they they did it but and, and some of them did it really well but it it never felt like it did here because the ones here they've been around for hundreds of years or they, they really do feel like they have anyway. So, yeah, I, I didn't get the same thing. You know, in the US, I just loved going to a dive bar. Give me a dive yeah, bar. Yeah, Delilah's, like in Chicago. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: there was a good one up in Toronto you must have been to, the Caledonia up in uh, Toronto. Yeah.
0: I, I did a tasting once there with Ian Miller. Right. And the next day he said to me, the tasting was all about Ian. Um, and, and then the next day he was like, oh, you did really well talking about Glenn Fire, and Kane. I was like, I, did I? I talked about Glenford. I didn't remember doing any of the tasting. <laughs> <laughs> we had been fine. drinking. We had been drinking since 10 o'clock in the morning. But apparently I did a really good job because one of the family members was there as well. And, and, and they said I did a good job. So
1: I've started a tasting there once. It was for Highland Park and it was, uh, it was really good. It was a good taste. And uh, it was, it's owned by a Scottish couple, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, that I that, that actually is probably the closest thing I've felt in North America to a... Proper pub that I I recognise as a pub,
0: yeah, yeah. I'd give you that one for sure. Well, speaking about that, should we get Paul on see what he's sent it?
1: Yeah, let's get Paul on. It's Paul from the Bon Accord, one of the great whiskey pubs, and he's got a lot of great insights, doesn't he, into the philosophy of life as a publican and yeah, what it yeah. means to run a, a great pub and. The selection as well. Mm. That's
0: a great way of putting it. So, uh, we, 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 Daz and I sat down with Paul earlier on today, and this is what he was, uh, he was saying. Delighted to be joined by Daz and I's good friend, Paul McDonoughs, who runs the Bon Accord over in Glasgow, uh, one of the most famous whiskey bars in the world. Paul, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Thanks for watching, guys.
0: Nice to see you. Nice to see
2: you.
0: Um, It's funny, actually. I would.
1: I was working over at White Mackay there for four or five years. And uh, this, is a, this is a horrible thing to say, Paul, but I think I've had more lunches in your pub than I've had whiskeys, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah you probably have
2: like <laughs> more chips than drams. That's a, that's a disgraceful <laughs> stat. I
0: need to sort that out. <laughs> that is bad, Daz. We, we need to go over there and sort that out soon. I, I'd love um, to prop up the bar there. It'd be class, yeah. But, Paul, it's great, great that you're on the show because, you know, Daz and I have both done tastings, in, in your bar at some point, which is has always been a pleasure. And and you are one of the nicest guys within the on-premise. I mean, I, I remember coming in as a kind of a, a young boy within the whiskey industry, uh, you know, running about Glasgow back uh, in my, my Diageo days, and you always looked after me so well, always so welcoming. And I think that's something with the Bon Accord, that, that you've always had that, that style to the bar, right? I mean, you have well over, I think it's 600 whiskies behind the bar. No, and I'm everyone's clear. always welcome to come in and, and chat about whiskey and you sit down and spend the time with them.
2: Yeah. The thing, the thing is, I th- always think it's very important to help people along the, the, the way. I, I never got to where I got myself. I had help from people uh, who are well long retired now uh, that helped me and gave me the wee tips along the road. So, you know, you've got to pass that on. That's the way I look at things. God pass these things on. So it's always a pleasure and it's always great when I see people getting on in life and doing well for themselves. Like yourselves, you two guys have done very, very well. And it's always nice. We're play a small partner or a bigger partner is nice. And that's the thing that it motivates me as well. New staff coming in, customers on on their whiskey journey. So they're the kind of things that I really, really appreciate. And you've been at
1: the you've been at the Bon Accord there then since two thousand.
2: Yeah, it was twenty one years two thousand one So this is my twenty first twenty first year, but thirty five years in the trade. That's yeah. it's, it's a long, long time. So I've bumped into quite a few people over the years. <laughs> I'm sure so, you uh, have. I've had a, a few drums, a few big hitters over the years.
1: I'm sure you've kicked a few out as well.
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I actually leave <laughs> nicely. <Is> that- <laughs> 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 right.
0: So, Paul, for anyone who hasn't been along to the Bon Accord, how would you describe the bar?
2: Well, so it's a t- traditional alehouse and malt whisky bar. So we're a we're an alehouse, selling a lot of cask and dish and beers, and we, we're, we've got that malt whisky range, and it's about 450 to 500, uh, with a queue of whisky downstairs waiting to come up. So well, a bottle might go off, away as another bottle comes up, so there's a queue of whiskey, maybe another 150 bottles downstairs, and it's actually, the reason why they're not upstairs is there's no room for on the gantry for them. So it's when a bottle comes off, there's a new bottle goes on. Uh, We have our core range that we keep all the time that that are kind of in-demand products, but it's constantly changing all the time. So that's what we do. We do a bit of food, uh, and there's a wee small cocktail uh, menu as well, which uh, we introduced about a couple of years ago, and, it, and it's it's quite nice. People are quite happy with that. But we are predominantly an ale house and malt whiskey bar. And I am a publican, not a restaurant tour. Um, which you be as a typical classical publican. Yeah. Uh, work hard and play hard.
1: Fair play, fair play. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. How did you end up then at the Bon Accord? I mean, how, what was the? You, I know you were in the industry and you were doing different things, but how, how did that end up coming about?
2: Well, I, I worked with Scottish Newcastle uh, for a good number of years and I was doing the corporate thing. And it gets to a certain time when you think the corporate thing, you've had enough of it. Uh, they, they tend to be ox obstacles in your way when you're trying to run the business with like, we can't do that, do this, do that. And I started again, I I loved it, don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved my time with them. And I've got to thank them uh, a lot for that, especially the the, the training I got and a lot of aspects in business training. So I first came to the Bon Accord in 1993 and I just thought, wow, I love this place, Mm. right? So when I had the opportunity to take it, in two thousand and one, I just jumped right in there because I really, I've always felt a pub is like a coat you put it on that fits you and it feels really good. And this is what I do. I, I felt with the Bon Accord that instant, instant, this is an absolute cracker of a pub. So from ninety three to when I finally taken it, it had its highs and its is lows as well. So when I taken it, it was very low, yeah, uh, and it's been a whirlwind. It's 21 years, but it doesn't seem like that, you know, and yeah. I've always said to people in business, it, what I'm doing is a marathon, it's not a sprint. I was never ever, I'm focused on the customer, I'm focused on the, how the customer wants to come back, whether it's someone from Munich, <clears throat> excuse me, who's, who's in the pub twice every two years. They're still my customer, and I want to see these people come back. And that's where one of the great things about the Bon Accord is because of the longevity in it, people walk back in and it's high grade to see you. So they want to come back. And this is why your business is, keeps going and keeps going. And we keep moving it. We keep moving it, but we're constantly trying to better what we do within the business uh, every day. So it's not a case of. The brain gets shut down for a day. The brain's on all the time, thinking up new ways to make the business better, to actually improve that experience for the customer. So I, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do all the time.
1: The thing I'm, I'm, I'm always struck by, and, and the thing I love about, a, it's like you say, it's, it's a proper pub. You know what I mean? You, you, you can go in, you can have half a nip of blend, a wee half a pint, and you're happy, and you'll be well looked after. You were just chatting before we went live. Um You could also come in and drink a port, Ellen, on the rocks. That's no problem as well, <laughs> you know. And it's that uh, yeah. it's that range, and yeah. it's it's not just about the everyday malts. It's not just about the limited edition malts. Yeah. It's about the whole thing, isn't it? It's about the whole culture of whiskey. Is something that you guys, I think, embrace brilliantly.
2: Well, this is the thing. So there's a lot of people coming here learning about whiskey. So there's five whiskey clubs in this pub, right? Five. They meet every month and there's 20 to 30 people. at The meetings, these have been along. You've seen how it works. These, mm-hmm. these clubs are going strong. My, my, uh, the Bon Accord uh, Whiskey Society has been running for the next 16 years next month, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. And the, 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 these guys have been coming along, ladies and gents have been coming along all that time. They are now whiskey experts if you're sitting there at a whisky tasting for all the months, all the years, you become a whisky expert. And I am then sitting and talk to them about how or the group of friends around with a few bottles, they're actually doing whisky tasting with their friends in their house. And that's really, really nice. See, when you actually hear the kind of, the follow-up of the story. Now, if you're a regular company, you don't always hear that follow-up story. But because I'm in the pub, I hear that story. I'm getting that more feedback, which is very, very nice. But one of the ones I'll say to you guys is, Talk about pubs and you can have the best products. You can have absolute fantastic staff. But if you don't have a safe environment, you can forget it, right? You can absolutely forget it because that is a key thing, element in any business. You've got to have safety, safety for your staff, safety for your customers. Now, I've won 57 awards in the last 21 years, multiple awards for everything you can possibly think about, beers, whiskey, staff, whatever but the one that I treasure the most is the one I got from the Scottish Government, and that was for the best bar none, and that was for safety. So that's given through the police, the fire service, and the ambulance, and I was presented with this award for the best in Scotland, and that, for me, meant more than all the whiskey ones, all the beer ones, because first and foremost, I'm a publican, right? And I create a safe environment for my customers, when where they're, they're from, 200 yards down the road or 2,000 miles away. It's a safe environment. And that's a very, very crucial thing that an awful lot of people don't, or what they'll do is throw two door students on the door and think there's got a safe environment. They don't have a safe environment with two door students. It's creating that safe environment for my customers and for my staff. And that's one of the things for me I'm very proud of. Right? And you mentioned earlier on about kicking people out. No. It's it, but reality is, if you get a safe environment, you've sometimes got to okay, persuade people to leave the premises. But the thing is, is do that right away rather than yeah. when it starts. So that's for me is a is a big thing in in the trade. Brilliant.
0: I think that's that's always the the thing that I've associated with the the bon Accord. It's it's somewhere where you can go in just no matter where you're from, you, you know, it's like some bars, sometimes you have to be a local to go and enjoy a drink there. You never get that sense with the Bon Accord. It's like, everyone's welcome. You come in and, and it's, it's, if you just start your whiskey journey, yeah, it's intimidating with the 600 bottles that you've got there, but there's always someone to, to, to help people on that journey. Right. And, and I think what I want to ask you, Paul, is going back to 2001 when you took over the bar, I mean, that point in time, most pubs are doing cocktails. They're talking about flavored <laughs> vodkas. You obviously took a bit of a gamble on putting all these whiskies behind the bar. So that must've come from obviously your passion for whiskey. Talk us through that. How How is that whole mindset of, of taking this gamble and putting so many whiskies behind the bar back in that yeah. day and age?
2: Well, the, the, basically what I was, I mean, obviously at had 15 years in the trade before I came into the Cold So I was very, very, very versed in whiskey. And I said earlier on that when I worked for a company, you could only have a certain amount of uh, whiskey on your bar, maybe 10, 10 whiskeys. So when I take over this place and I bought the stock, there was only two malt whiskeys on the gantry, right? Now, for me, a pub is about conversation. You go to meet people. You're going to enjoy yourself in a safe environment. Now, the pub was a, an alehouse, and it was a, known as a specialist ale house. but when i came over, it was down in the dumps, it'd been put out the Good Beard Guide because of the quality. So my first thing I did within the first couple of months was re-resurrected the Bon Accord as an alehouse, okay? So the, the, the ale drinkers would start coming back, so that was increasing my customer base. Now, if you've got a pint of ale in your hand or a half pint of ale in your hand, that's a conversation in your hand. You're talking about where it came from where we kind of hops, it's got that type of thing, so the next, you talk to the person or the people next to you about the different beers, now whiskey, I'm all whiskey in your hand, is the exact same thing, it's a conversation in a glass it makes people join together makes strangers talk to each other about what the light, where they've been, what they do, that so to me it was a no brainer. So it wasn't about doing something, putting a DG or a karaoke on or anything like that. You can do it with your products if you do correct it do the right products, right? So what I did was I didn't go and buy 400 to 500 more whiskies, that's that that's not possible to, to create what I've got there. It takes a long, long time. So what basically I did was I brought in probably about 35 malts that were readily available at the time, and I brought them in and made a statement with that, okay? A statement that now this has got a malt whiskey offer, but at the same time as well, financially, you can't go out and buy all that, especially if you've got a business that isn't doing well and you're trying to bring it up. So what I was doing was month by month bringing more uh, whiskey in, but also at the time, I would do whiskey tastings, and I would have maybe 10 people at the whiskey tasting. So I would use a bottle of whiskey for the tasting and the other half bottle went in the gantry. So instead of 40 bottles, I had 41 bottles. I increased it through that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I was getting a, a, a half the bottle sold right away and the other half bottle was up in the gantry for people to try it and whatever like So just slowly but surely. And I think it was when I got to about 120 bottles, maybe year two or so, 120 bottles, I then felt I am a alehouse and a malt whiskey bar, because I felt I had a range that was big enough uh, to go. Uh, and I, I remember having a, a discussion uh, with my late stepfather about how I was going to step up. I was going to step up my range and, and what I've got in malt whiskey in my bar. And I said to him, "You know, I've never spent uh, more than a thousand pounds and a bottle of whiskey, and I'm going to do it. This is a year I'm going to do it. So I think it was year four intimate thing. I'm going, to, I'm going, to, I'm going, to, I'm going to step up. So I did. I bought a black Bowl more. It cost me three thousand. So I just let it go to a thousand away because I couldn't resist it with the opportunity But technically. Uh, and it's a good friend of mine, Andrew Torrance, who uh, talked me into it. I don't know if you know Andrew. But yeah. Andrew, Andrew, kind of talked me into it. But uh, I must admit, it was one of the finest whiskeys I'd ever tried at a particular time. Uh, I've since sold three or four bottles of it over the bar over the over the period of time. But uh, it was it was a whole thing because of the length of time. Uh, and I think, the year, uh, probably year seven. Seven years into it, I really felt really comfortable when I was talking to different people within the industry about what I had to offer. When a rep walked in and says, where did you get that? I've never seen that. You know what I mean? He feels like, right, I've got something special. Although you know you, I knew what I was doing, but it's when the other people, people within the trade come in and say, wow. I've never seen that one before. I've heard about that. I've seen that in a brochure or that. Like. They were the nice things. That it gives you that, but you kind of write, okay, I'm getting things right. Then you get the accolades in the trade, right? And and, and again, I've always said every, every award that we've won in here is for the, the, the staff, but also very importantly is the customers, because the customers love being in. Proud of their, their bar, absolutely love the fact that they, they, they're in the Bon Accord. You know what I mean? That, that's their pub, bring their family, bring their friends. So that's a really, really nice thing.
1: And see, seeing that on that journey, and uh, it's funny you mentioned Andrew. I work with Andrew um, on on Fable, and yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a persuasive man <laughs> and he, he'll be listening as well. So I'm sure you will appreciate that. Um, but you must have. Uh, you must have travelled about quite a lot at various distilleries and through the regions and all that kind of stuff. You must have a a few a few trips under your belt out to these distilleries.
2: Yeah, I've done I've done I've done all the distilleries technically. The distilleries that I really want to, but yeah. maybe one or two. Uh, I've travelled abroad quite a bit uh, for whiskey festivals and all that, which I really enjoy because it's nice it's nice to go to the places where the people come here. So, we went over yeah. to New York for a whiskey festival a good few years ago, and a lot of the Canadian boys came down for the festival and met up. We all met up for drinks and of that. And it was really, really nice to see people on their home turf. I really appreciate that. My last main trip was Singapore. A friend of mine opened a bar in Singapore, and he came here and worked with me for about a couple of weeks. Then went over and opened his bar in Singapore. And I went over three months after he opened, went down to his bar got a half-and-a-half half, or a half-and-a-half. Half. I, I was uh, training his staff, right? And I'd taken a picture of myself outside his bar, right? And I sent it to him and says, do you fancy a drum? He didn't know I was in Singapore, right? So you can imagine, right? <laughs> but I must admit, the red carpet went out big style, right? Because after I, I did that, I then says on Facebook or whatever, Twitter blah, blah, that I was in Singapore. And the amount of people that came... Uh, invited for dinners and all sorts of things and it was all people who'd been in the Bon Accord over the years and because I was in their town they wanted to uh, look after me and all that and you know you know what it's like when you get that bit of hospitality when you, when people are looking after you it's quite humbling sometimes you know I went to Toronto and for the Whiskey Festival in Toronto and a boy came in and was my driver for a week it was just I'm going, like, oh, no, 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 no. I'll take you And you know, it really is very, very nice, but it's humbling. Yeah, yeah. It really yeah. Is humbling, it's an odd
1: feeling, know. isn't it? When you're 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 tuned to just look yeah. after people, that's what yeah. you do yeah. all the time. And, yeah. and it's your job to make people feel comfortable and yeah. things. And when when it when it's on the the shoe is on the other foot, yeah. it's actually quite awkward because you're just yeah. not used to being <laughs> in that position. Is <laughs> that?
2: Well, we so walked, into the was- S- we walked into a in the bar, walked in a barn Singapore and I was drinking really nice whiskey. And the guy kept saying, try this one, try this one. And I remember the last one I had was a 32-year-old juror, right? So I got up to pay the bill. And the guy says, no, 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 that's it's free. i mean, like, no, just I'm, I'm, I'm drinking really nice whiskey. Here. No, no, I insist. He's going on and on and on. I insist it's free. And I says, that's great. So I throws a, a couple of hundred pound to his staff as a tap Just to... You're doing something right. And I'm back to the table. And my friend says, was that on the house? I says, "Ah." He says, I've drank in here for years and he's never bought me a drink. I've you a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Quite nice. You know, that's, that's, it. that's the license trade. That's yeah. the trade when people, oh, yeah. you look after people, people look after you. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about it. And that's why I'm still doing it.
0: So out of all the, the whiskey experiences that you've had, Paul, if you had to, to pick one that's like my, my all-time favourite whiskey experience, what would it be?
2: Uh, Glenfiddich. I was invited by Ian Miller uh, to the Spirit of Spacey uh, uh, dinner. Uh, and we sat there, a lot of the high rollers that come in from Switzerland and uh, Russia and all that. And we sat at dinner and all the drams, uh, it came out a cask that day, and we're on the table. Never left the distillery, and it was—I'm pretty sure—it was a 1958. Uh, and it was—it was, it was like—it was like coal. as black as coal. This, then uh, further, and uh, sitting at the fire upstairs, uh, having a wee drama It was was quite an experience. Mr. Mark Thompson invited me along. That's what Ian was hosting the dinner. And it nice. was a really, really, really nice experience. Now, I've had the great experiences all over and been looked after as a VIP guest. With that. But I think that night in particular, and it was the company you were sitting in, these people were wealthy people, right? Knew, knew their whiskey big sale, right? But whiskey's a great leveler. Whether you're a bin man, yeah or you own uh, Google, you know, sitting there with a dram, we're all very equal, I always feel, and there's no, nobody's higher than else because we're all sitting there having a dram and enjoying it, but that was, that was one that I really did enjoy, uh, and two absolutely wonderful guys, uh, and Mr Miller, is, uh, I've known him for a good number of years, and I've always gone very, very well, with him. I'm pretty sure you know him very well yourself.
0: He's a bit ah, of a legend, yeah, we actually had him on the well. show,
2: did uh, you, right? yeah, We had him on
0: the show. When was that, Dad's Two weeks ago. Yeah, or last, yeah last week we were really, actually.
2: We recorded yeah. him for a,
0: for an episode. So, yeah. And he was, sit- he was sitting, a, he...
1: drinking a, another whiskey from a cask. You know, I don't, I don't think
0: he. I, don't, I think that's just his
1: standard whiskey now, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know the running joke, Paul, right? You know he's retired now. Yeah. So it's like he's built. He built this summer house outside his house, and that is the new Glenfiddich warehouse because he's got that much stock <laughs> in it. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, he's been a guest at the Glasgow Whiskey Festival, uh, me, Martin, Julie, and uh, he's he's brought some really nice, interesting stuff along to the VIP nice. So he's all he's always welcome. That's for sure. It's always welcome. All right. So things things are starting to pick up here, uh, which is quite nice. It's been a it's been a real, real hard slog, but you know I'm always my cup's always half full. I'm, I'm recruiting more staff, bringing more staff in before I need them, agile, I always do. Make sure they're there when they're needed to, like, before, are, you, are
1: you just looking for a good attitude? And a manner?
2: It's a yeah. manner. It's about somebody that's got that about them, that can hold that conversation. You know what I mean? I, I say to people, and this boy we told this this morning, every single person watching me told the exact same thing. Uh, if you can't hold a 16-second conversation, that's how long it takes to pour a pint. Mm-hmm. Right? you walk into pubs and the member staff stands in front of you pulls a pint and does the, looks away Disney's turn around and say have, a, have you a nice day where have you been da 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 16 seconds if you can't hold that 16 second conversation you should not be behind the bar right because yeah. it's the most it's harder to know have a conversation harder to actually look away
0: so Daz you'd be fucked in mate you're not going to get a job <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: i actually thinking, you, you, Mitch, you can hold a 16 conversation, but you normally get angry halfway through it. man! <laughs> <laughs> like Mitch can fall out with someone twice in 16 seconds, Paul.
2: <laughs> get them to leave twice. It's because yeah. of the, the, the anger in my chat. <laughs> Listen, guys, an absolute pleasure. I'll need, I'll need to get on with this some um, right. kind up
0: of- Paul, it's great having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, Daz and I will dev- definitely be through to Glasgow soon. We'll pop in for a right. couple of drams. Make sure you're there, so uh, yeah, we can uh, we doing. can get involved nice. in some bon accord action. No
2: problem, pop. top top guys. Cheers, Thanks a lot. Best. Cheers, Cheers, Cheers Paul. Cheers. Thanks, right.
0: Cheers. Great to chat to Paul there. I was I have got so much time for that guy. I remember coming back from the U.S. actually, and I hadn't seen Paul for about ten years. I walked in. Not this isn't a word of a lie. Uh, Sat at the bar, had lunch while he was working And he not only comped my lunch But I was looking at a bottle that he had had made It was for the independent bars of Scotland I was like, oh, that's really cool He then proceeded to just give me a bottle uh, And he was like, there you go, take that away I hadn't seen the guy for like 10 years And, you know, gave me a free lunch and a free bottle of whiskey Unbelievable Brilliant,
1: yeah No, I I do, um, I've, I've done a few tastings over the years there uh, one that stands out was a good one. Did a Valhalla one with Highland Park a long time ago for one of the whiskey clubs. And that's the interesting thing about that place. And I didn't realize it until he told us five whiskey clubs operating out of the Bon Accord. That's absolutely, absolutely mental. Absolutely. I mean, and I know, I know all the other stuff they do on top of that. I mean, they're busy, busy guys.
0: Now it's time for some interesting whiskey facts that definitely won't get you any new friends on a Friday or Saturday night while standing in a bar. Might work on a Monday or Tuesday, though. All right, so what we thought we'd do today is facts, not so much facts, but more hints and tips uh, for when you visit one of these whiskey bars, right? Um, obviously, first one, and this is, I think, general mm-hmm. rule, okay. is just tip the staff. Give me a wee tip. That's fair. These guys are working hard, especially right now.
1: It's not our culture necessarily in the UK, is it? No.
0: no, but you get good service if they their knowledge you knowledgeable about whiskey and they you know recommend something to you spend some time with them give mm-hmm. a wee tip yep all right okay um i'm going to give you a tip um don't
1: ask for the oldest whiskey so annoying that is quite annoying isn't it and, and it's it's all it's usually for the wrong reasons i, I understand why you would ask for it what is your oldest whiskey perhaps is a good one to ask um out of interest what what you know where does it start and stop fine uh, but Asking for the oldest whiskey is kind of like the wrong question, isn't it?
0: Yeah. 100%. Um, My one, simple, honest. Don't ask for a vodka and soda. Oh, vodka soda's all right. Yeah, but not when you've got 500 whiskeys in front of you.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. The whiskey list is always really helpful, isn't it?
0: Whiskey list is a great one. I think if you ask for a whiskey list at a bar like that, then they think you're pretty serious about whiskey. Do you reckon? Well, so here's the thing, right? Here's, here's my theory on this, because mm-hmm. if you look at a back bar, you can't always see what all the whiskeys have. Paul just said it in his interview, right? Mm-hmm. He's got, what did he say, 400 on the back bar and then another 150 downstairs yeah, that are waiting that. to come up. So he's got a massive whiskey list there. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily going to see all the whiskeys just by looking at the back bar. If you ask for the whiskey list, the bar staff there are like, oh, this guy's serious. He wants to actually you know, consume and, and take in what we have here behind the bar.
1: Yeah. No, I get that. But so this is where I would challenge that and say what I do all the time. I, I so often just go with a recommendation
0: from the staff. Yeah, it's another great shout. It's partly because you can't read as well, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> a, a slight problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I know I, I like I like the fact that like they're they're interested, right? um most of the staff in most of these places as well they're, they're working in a whiskey specialist pub. rarely they, they won't be but you know i would just often say well, what do you drink what do you like um you know anything good and that's new or interesting that i should be trying that maybe i haven't tried before and that that i'm usually quite happy with what i get to be honest i'm the easiest customer like i, I like to be told what to have do you know what i mean even on food i'll just you know what have you got you do, do that a on lot there.
0: I've noticed mm. that, actually, when you go out, you, you always ask.
1: Yeah, and I like, I like that because it's like they're, they're, they're then involved in your decision and they can own it, right?
0: Yeah, uh, And And
1: the great thing is, is like, I'm not going to say no and very rarely, not, not uh, obviously there's limits and stuff, but very rarely would I be that bothered about price within reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big spender. Big I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I actually went to the Whiskey Society um, not so long ago. I was waiting for you because you were late, um, and I had a, I think, was it a Glen Moray, I think it was a Glen Moray, they, they, he, anyway, I said, I want something chocolatey, and he brought, he was like, what kind of price, and I was like, mate, just mental levels, is fine, Do you know, what I mean, just what, whatever what you've got, but like, not, not ridiculous, it was 15 quid a nip, but it was like a beautiful 18-year-old Glen Moray, sherry cask, beautiful flavour, really, really, really good, and and I'm so pleased that I asked for a recommendation because I would yeah. never have chosen that whiskey. Do you know what I, I mean? think that,
0: and that's a good shout doing it in there because there's so many whiskies. There's so many, yeah. di- you know, we may know the, the distillery from there, but we don't mm. know the finish that they've done in there totally. or the cask. And it's, it, it can be so different from your normal uh, liquid you get, that you get from that particular distillery. Uh, and those guys tend to know their, their shit there and, and what they're tasting. So that yeah. that's a good shout doing it. The, there
1: the there is there's one. There, what's the hotel down in Campbelltown?
0: Oh, it begins with an A.
1: Yeah, it does be, is it
0: the Ar, 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 Archie? the it archie It's the Archieel. Yeah, yeah.
1: Down in Campbelltown is a great whiskey place as well. And we keep saying this, but we're definitely going to do it. We're going to get down there. We're going to go in and we're going to We've got
0: we've got dates in the diary, mate.
1: It's locked I in. Mean, yeah. <laughs> Which you couldn't remember putting in the diary.
0: Yeah. So to explain, we after when we were up in Space um, I did we did decide on some dates we're going down to Campbelltown. And I was looking through my phone the other day. I'm like, the fuck is this? Did we arrange this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember arranging this. I don't remember it, no. <laughs> Anyway, so, so I think that wraps up for this week. A little bit yeah. on whiskey pubs. A little chat from Paul. And what are we doing next week, does? We are going to go up to Speyside. We're going to go up to the Highlander Inn. We're going to spend some
1: time with our good friend, Mr. Tetsuya-san, who is the owner of the Highlander Inn. So another fabulous whiskey pub. Um brilliantly renowned um owner as well of two two fantastic venues over in over in japan as well so yeah man there's a guy with loads of experience great knowledge met everybody blends their own stuff own independent bottlers
0: i mean these guys are right right into whiskey yeah, really cool. So, yeah, we're going to keep on that theme of Whiskey Pubs. So join us next week, guys, when normal programming will be resumed. I won't be watching. Oh, actually, there is rugby again do you know what I was going to say,
1: see if we beat Wales. Yeah. What do we do? Sorry. We have to phone. I'm going to get Craig in
0: instead of you. It, it, okay, that's fair enough. Right. right. So it, it, no, it will be It will be Sunday morning again. Uh, I promise, we promise you, we will stick to our schedule. Until then, may all your whiskies be golden and your whiskeys' adventures be prosperous. Oh, prosperous. That's a big word for a Monday night. Right? Star Trek, right? Yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Is it from Star Trek? Oh, live, live long and prosper. I don't remember that one.